Well, good morning, beloved. This morning we're going to talk about 10 reasons why I should support the radio. Nah, just kidding. That's not, not really it. Just kidding. That's pretty rotten, isn't it? Tell you what. That's terrible. You know, though, uh, the other day, you guys know me and my jokes, so if you laugh, I'll stop telling them. Um, The other day, Lynette was reading a book, and I said, oh, you're reading a book? She said, yeah, I'm getting a lot out of it. I said, okay. And then she got up and gave me the biggest bear hug. I thought, well, that's really sweet. I said, well, what is that for? She says, well, in the book, it said to embrace your your mistakes. (laughs) Okay, that didn't really happen, but... And then if you're wondering, I'm really not trying to grow a beard, okay? So many of you know I have this little thing I have on my face, okay? And the reason why I have it is, remember, I did grow up in Amish country, okay? And I was raised independent Baptist, which is almost the same thing. So, and then I always shaved the mustache, too. Well, I went to trim it this week, and I was half asleep when I did so. And I had the trim thing way off, and I about took the thing off, and I looked in the mirror, I thought, good night, nurse. There's a reason why Abraham Lincoln had a beard, and there's a reason why I do. So I didn't tell the family anything, okay? So I'm getting ready, and, you know, I'm out the door on some mornings before they're up and around or, you know, before they've had their coffee or their wake. And so at night, I was turning around, and the boys come from soccer practice, and they look at me, and they're like, what did you do? So I'm trying to grow it back to kind of fill it in. The problem is, this is like a week's worth. Isn't this pathetic? Some of you have to shave twice a day. But uh, so I'm eventually going to trim it back and, and get it be- and growing. And I have no idea why I told you any of that stuff this morning. All right, here's the question. Ready, willing, and able. Ready, willing, and able. Say that with me. Ready, willing, and and able. Let's talk about that this morning, but we need some help. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us, Lord. I ask forgiveness for the many things I think, say, and do that break your law. Lord, I know that I mess up a lot, and uh, I need your strength today. I need to know uh, that I'm right before you today, and God, I ask that you just cleanse my heart. Use me today, Lord. I want to be pure. I want to be, I want to be used. I pray that what I say and speak and do, that it bring you glory and bring you honor. And I know a lot of times I mess up the, right, the wrong words, I stumble, I slur my words, Lord. I pray that you would just use this, this vessel to bring you glory today, that someone would get some help. In Christ's name, amen. Ready, willing, and able. Okay, so here's my introduction statement, okay? According to Psalms 139.14, who created us? Who created us, beloved? God did. So a lot of people in this world are wondering, hey, where did I come from? We don't have to wonder that, do we? So we already have a great question that many people in this world are wondering. Where did I come from? We don't need to know that answer. We don't know the answer. We don't have to wonder. That's settled. Next question. Some people ask, why am I here? Well, if you're a Christian, Matthew 5, 16 already answers that question. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Where am I here? To bring him glory. So I know, number one, I was created by God, so I know where I came from. I know why I'm supposed to be here. I'm here to bring him glory. I know that. It gives me purpose. 
Next thing, a lot of people question in this world, what happens? What's the afterlife? Where do I go? Once again, we already know that answer, correct? The Bible says there's two places you can go. You can go to heaven or you can go to hell. As a Christian, we already have that answer. So that means that I know that I am going to... Am I banging around here? just need moved. Can you guys hear that? Is it, is it, is it irritating? I'm okay? All right. It's irritating me. It's so make sure it's irritating you. My voice is irritating enough. I don't want the microphone to mess this up. And we all... Who said amen? <laughs> Lord, now I pray for her tongue. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, sis. You know, when the, the devil was cast out of heaven, do you know where he ended up? The sound system. Amen to that. Um, so here's two things. John 14 tells us that we have a hope. Let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Now, here's some things. Ready, willing, and able. God wants to use you this morning. Amen. He wants to use you this morning. God wants to have a relationship with you. Amen. He does. That gives me great hope. And that leads us to point number one. Here we go. Point number one, God will not force you to be used. you got to remember that. God will not force you to be used. Now, there's a false doctrine that says God chooses who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. In other words, you have no choice in the matter. And I'm going to tell you that is a false doctrine. The Bible says we have a free will. God just doesn't pick and choose. Now, I understand that God knows the future. I understand that. But if that's the case, if God already chose, then everything we do would be a waste of time anyways, in my opinion. We have a choice. God gives us a free will. And that is really a beautiful thing. You see, what separates Christianity from everything else is the word reconciliation. I can be reconciled with God. If you follow all other religions, for the most part, you cannot ever be reconciled. You're always wondering, do I have to do more? Am I okay? Did I make it in? With God, you don't have to worry about that. You can be reconciled. So the first step... To be ready is you have to be saved. You have to be saved. Now think about this, beloved. There is salvation. So let's say, I've used this before, that salvation will represent this piano. This is where you A, admit that you're a sinner. A sin is anything I think, say, or do that breaks God's law. I admit that I'm a sinner. I B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I choose confess him as Savior. Meaning this, I am confessing that there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Not through baptism, not through communion, not through church membership, not through good works. And all of those things are good. But that is not salvation. If it was good works, then that means God owes me something. God does not owe me anything. So we'll say that this is salvation where I get saved. Now, after I get saved, I start going through what we call sanctification. Sanctification is the process of being Christ-like, being like Him. So we'll say that this pulpit represents sanctification, okay? For a mental, got it? So we got salvation, 
We have sanctification, and eventually I want to get to glorification, where I am uh, going to be in heaven with God forever, and I will be like him. This old flesh should be put away, praise the Lord, and I will be like him. So this is what we'll talk about this morning. My simple question is, where are you at in this process? Are you closer to your salvation? You're still a baby Christian. Are you closer to your glorification with your father? I'm not saying you're perfect. Because follow me around for about 10 seconds and you realize I probably a lot of times act more like I'm over here than I'm over here. Can I get an amen? Not you. I knew you were going to say amen right away. That's why I looked at you. So here's the deal. The first step is, is salvation. Okay, here's the deal. I'm, I'm more than aware that God can do whatever he wants. I understand that. Could God use me just by snapping? Of course he could. Could he snuff me out? Of course he could. And he has. In the Old Testament, he did many times. People disobeyed him. People got smoked. I mean, they just did. So I, I realize that. But overall, God's not going to make me do something I don't want to do. Now, will I suffer the consequences? Yes, I will. And God will what? He'll allow that to happen too, okay? So ready. Am I ready? Am I ready? So once we get saved, we need to have a ready spirit. That ready spirit says, I am ready to do something for the Lord. Now think about this. Psalms 51.12 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. It's David talking. And uphold me with thy free spirit. He had a checkup from the neck up, so to speak, what we have. And David realized that a ready spirit starts with the joy of my salvation. You know why sometimes we don't want to do something for the Lord? Because we've lost our joy. Salvation has become a drudgery. I ha- so think about this. Plain and simple, are you saved, yes or no? If you're not saved, I'm asking you this morning to get saved. I'm asking you by Facebook to get saved. I'm asking you way of radio to get saved. Well, David, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Okay, let's settle it. What? Get saved. Well, I think I was saved, but I'm not sure. Once again, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be cute. Settle it. Just what? Get saved. I'd rather be saved twice than lost once. After the service, David, I'm not sure, come right down here. Pastor Holmes or somebody, Brother Charles, be more than happy. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady come down. Be more than happy to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. So once I'm saved, I now want to be in that ready environment. I'm ready. So David connected the joy of salvation to a free and willing spirit. When I have the joy of the Lord in my heart, it starts coming out my actions. So what? I start saying these things. I start to question, what can I do for God today? Amen. What was the last time you asked yourself, what can I do for God today? Not what's on my agenda. What do I have to do? But what can I do for God today? How about this? What can I do to bring him glory? What can I do to bring him glory? And this is one too. What can I do that I already know the Bible's telling me to do? There's many things in the Bible we already know we're supposed to be doing. 
So when I get that joy of my salvation back, I want to what? It starts to overflow in what I'm doing. Now, I understand there's some trials and tribulations going on. I understand that. I understand there's some health issues this morning. I understand that. There may be financial problems. There may be family problems. I understand that because that's life. But you still can have the joy of the Lord through those things. So I think about this. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have you lost your joy? At times you don't want to serve. It's inconvenience. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too tired. I'm too ugly. Whatever. There's a lot I could say on that, but I'll keep going. Why? We've lost our joy. We've let the devil kick us in the teeth, and he will kick you in the teeth. We've let the trials and tribulations hit us, and trials and tribulations will come. Finances will be a problem. I mean, the other day, we went grocery shopping, and they told us the bill. And I thought to myself, I don't want to buy the store. I just want to buy what's in my cart. I mean, good night, nurse. 8%, 8%, my big hairy toe. It's a lot, it feels like a lot more 8%, 800% it feels like. I mean, you go to buy a gallon of milk. I'm like, I don't want the cow. I just want a gallon of milk. That's all I want. Many people just aren't ready. They're just not ready to serve the Lord. And guess what? They miss an opportunity. They miss a blessing. They miss a great thing they could do for God. We've been teasing Pastor Belcher about this. Not everybody can just pass out the cookies. Pastor Belcher says, we have VBS. I'll pass out the cookies. I need somebody to teach. I'll pass out the cookies. We need someone to help attendance. I'll pass out the cookies. Not all of us can pass out the cookies, beloved. Now, you still can pass out cookies. Tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., come on out. Always thinking, beloved. But some of us have to what? We got to get dirty a little bit. So here's the deal. Think about what 1 Samuel 17 says. Starting verse 16. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Now, that's twice a day. Usually military campaigns, as I understood them, would only last a few days. But in this case, they lasted 40 days. And that was 40 days of Goliath challenging, hey, you sissies, come fight me, okay? Now, I'm going to prove to you that supporting the radio is godly. Now, think about this. I've got, Bible. I've got a Bible verse here for you. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephod of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy brethren. It's not unusual for a family to bring them supplies during the war. That's not unusual. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Obviously, they're radio supporters. He said, go take their pledge. Amen? Check on their welfare is what he's saying. Now, you could argue this was one of the greatest and most talked about events in the Old Testament. You could say this is one of the biggest upsets of all time. They don't do it as much, but when I was a kid, if there was a big ball game, football, basketball, baseball, and there was an underdog, they would say, okay, today we're going to have a David versus Goliath game. 
Just be available. Do whatever God wants. Just be, just be faithful. You'll see fruit. Amen. Meaning what? What was David doing? He was just delivering the cheese. I'm here to tell you this morning, beloved. Are you ready? Just deliver the cheese. Just do what you're supposed to do. Whatever ministry God has given you, do it with all your heart. Amen. If you're going to be a door greeter, smile. Be friendly. Be, be faithful. If you're going to sing, you sing with all your heart. Kick back your head, open up your mouth, and let it fly. Sound room, do with all your heart. Do with all your heart. Concentrate. I'm there. I'm going to do this right. Assembling Bibles, beloved, what? Just deliver the cheese. Do with all your heart. I'm in charge of a ministry. It's the nursery. It's junior church. It's mowing the lawn. It's, it's whatever. Do it with all your heart. And just be available. Ask pastor, what can I do to help you? Ask the staff, what can I do to help? If you have an instrument, what do you do? Come in and play it. Just deliver the cheese. Well, sometimes I'm a little flat. Have you ever heard me sing? Just deliver the cheese. Sometimes what happens is, is we aren't here when we need to be here, and we're not ready. And God said, I wanted to use you today, but you weren't ready. You weren't ready. You go to the grocery store. Be ready. Be ready to pass out a gospel track. Be ready to tell someone about Jesus. Now, I find for me personally, as we approach the holidays, for me personally, it gets easier because people are more willing and open, okay? Luke 16, 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Just deliver the cheese. Be faithful. Be faithful. Nursing home workers, be faithful. Jail workers, be faithful. Nursery workers, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Christian school teachers, I know it's tough. Just be faithful. Factory workers, I know it's tough. Just be faithful. I'm here to tell you, if you show up on time and you're kind and you're compassionate and you're not a grouch, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. You are. And you ever go to the store and you think to yourself, is anybody happy? You drive on the road. We were in Columbus coming back from that tournament. Good night, nurse. Why does anybody want to live in a big city? I'll never know. I'm just driving along, minding my own business. All of a sudden, I hear this revving engine. Person flies out in front of me, flies out in front of me, starts waving at me in a certain way, and you can figure it out. I'm like, what did I do? And we all get caught at the same traffic light. And yes, I got in the flesh. I'm like, I know the speed limit's 35. I'm not going to go 90. I don't know where I'm going. You know why? People are upset. They're angry. Their life is full of sin. And they're looking for, they don't know where they came from. They don't know why they're here. And they don't know where they're going. I really believe that. With a lot of people, they struggle those things. And they're miserable. And they're trying to fill this big void that they cannot fill. And they never will. Just like David, make yourself available to God. Let him use you. Be ready. Be ready. 
1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I love that verse. You know why? You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be short. You don't have to be rich. You just need to be faithful. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. I've said this many times, and you'll probably hear me say it again and again and again. But the Harvest Baptist Temple would fold like an accordion. Clean Air Christian Radio, Harvest Temple Christian Academy, all of our ministries would fold like an accordion if it wasn't for volunteer people who give and show of their time that don't have to. We'd be in trouble. In trouble. Are you ministry? Just deliver the cheese. Just faithful. Be ready. But David, we're not seeing thousands saved. You're making a difference. If you're not, then the Bible is not true and God's a liar. And, and I know the Bible is true. I know that God is not a liar. If you're faithful, you will see fruit. You may not see it here on earth, but you'll see it someday. You'll see it someday. You just stick it out. Don't quit. Are you ready? Be faithful. But here's the deal. Remember point number one. God's not going to force you to be used. He's not going to force you. Okay, here we go. Point number two. Change your perspective. Change your perspective. Point number one. God doesn't, he's not going to force you to be used. Point number two. Change your perspective. That asks the question then, are you willing? It's not I have to, but I get to. Change your perspective. It's not I'm in control. It's God's in control. It's not serve me, but allow me to serve you. Most people want to be a servant. (laughs) They just don't want to be treated like one. Getting awful quiet in here. Maybe walk in the church with this attitude. Instead of, hey, I hope Pastor Holmes got it together today. I hope David doesn't mess up on the song service again today. I hope it's not too hot in there. I hope it's not too cold. I hope everyone's friendly. Don't walk in that way. Just walk in, Lord. I just want to be a servant. Lord, I just want to be used. Lord, I, I'm, I want to hear that sermon. I don't care what Pastor Holmes preaches on. I want to get something out of it. I'm willing. Open up those hands. Say, Lord, use me. If he doesn't, that means God's a liar. Hold on. God's not a liar. He wants to use you, beloved. I don't say this to be stupid or funny. If God can use me, he can use anybody. God can use anybody. Praise the Lord for that. Who's the greatest servant the world's ever known? Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. On October the 4th, Lynette and I celebrated 25 years of marriage. Yes, miracles do happen, beloved. She stuck it out with me for 25 years. Someone said, I said, there's got to be a special crown in heaven. I think it was Pastor Josh who said the martyr's crown. Like, you're probably right. Well, we got away for a little bit. We went to a Collinsworth concert. You know, my wife, she loves music. And then we went to Pittsburgh. And then uh, we, uh, we went over to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we were driving. And we didn't take the turnpike on the way over there. So we were going through quaint little towns. And some of the roads were so 
you know, uh, curvy, you pass the same house twice. And we come up over this ridge, and it was a beautiful day, and it was like gumdrops because of the fall foliage. It was absolutely breathtaking. And I thought to myself, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sun was shining, and it was just beautiful. And we stayed in this uh, uh, nice little hotel, and it was on a golf course. And we woke up and pulled back the blinds. There was a little bit of fog going on, and there was a bunch of overweight men chasing a white ball around. It was beautiful. <laughs> and so we're just sitting there, and we, you know, we got to just have a good time and enjoy ourselves. And uh, we didn't have the boys with us, and it was wonderful. And... And I love my boys, but, you know, we love our time, too. And I kept thinking to myself, God, wow, this is beautiful. God, you just done amazing work. But think about this. Oh, and we went to this town called Blair, Pennsylvania. And Lynette loves coffee shops. And so we went and got coffee with sugar and cream. I told the lady, I want it sweet. She knew what she was doing. I mean, if it doesn't put you in diabetic shock, you're wasting your time, amen? And there was this, like, quiche stuff, and it was awesome. And uh, Lynette, what we'll do is she'll get something different, and I'll get something different, then we'll share it, right? That way, if she's got pneumonia, I'll get it too, you know, once we share the food. And so we're just enjoying ourselves and having a good time and and think about this. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, he gave us a beautiful earth, didn't he? It pales in comparison to what he left to come here. I think about how beautiful that is and how gorgeous it is. I, I'm not trying to complain when I say this. Compared to heaven, earth is a dump. And Jesus left heaven to what? Come to earth. Why? He's a servant. He's a servant. He followed directions of his father. John 13 says, Now before, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, which by the way, can you imagine the agony his flesh was going through knowing what he was about to happen on the cross? I mean, I get nervous I'm going to have a dentist appointment. How many of you don't like the dentist? I hope there's not a dentist in here right now. That's it. David doesn't like me. I'm not saying that. I don't like the pain, and I don't like the bill. Other than that, dentists are nice people. And supper being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Which, by the way, that's a scary, very scary verse, if you think about that. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Here is the Son of God. Getting ready to go through the most excruciating event the world has ever known and will ever know. And what did he do? And they poureth water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel whereon he was girded. The Son of God, a servant, washing his disciples' feet. Can you imagine that, beloved? What is that? It's a servant. What? He was willing. He was willing. Beloved, let me ask you a question. Are you willing this morning? Are you willing to be used by God? Are you ready to be used by God? Are you willing to be used by God? 
Remember, being a servant is not voluntary. Okay? Are you ready? Because we're all serving someone or something. The real question is, is who are you serving? So you're serving something this morning. I got it from Pastor Redland. He got it from somebody else. There's two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. My question is, in love, who are you serving? That takes us to point number three, and we'll be done. Put your shoes on. We're almost ready. Go home. Where do I start, David? Just follow the book. Are you able? We're going to get to that. Point number three, where do I start? Just follow the book. Now, I love this. This is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It's Acts chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. It says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, I love this part of the verse. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that, had, that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Meaning what? God wants to use and can use anybody. These were not intelligent men. These were not rich men. These were not the best of the best. They were just ready, and they were willing, and they were able. And you have to understand the context of this. Go back and read Acts chapter 4. The same Peter that denied Christ not long before is now in the middle and says, You killed the Son of God. And they could have killed him like that. And Peter said, I could care less what you do right now. Go ahead and kill me. You killed the Son of God, you murderers. Here's another thing. As a kid, I used to question, why doesn't God let them find the ark? Why can't they find the Garden of Eden? Then people would believe. Would they believe? Probably not. Because right now, they, they had just witnessed a miracle, and what did the, they try to do? Quiet it. Stop it. Now, I understand not all the world's this way, but a large portion of the world, they know. They know there's something more to this life. They know there's got to be something there. Why, do they, why don't they want to acknowledge it? Because if there is a God, then I have to be accountable to him. If I'm accountable to him, then i got to make a choice, and I don't want to be accountable, and I don't want to be told what to do, so therefore there is no God. You get the picture? That's what a lot of people deal with. So my question is this, David, I'm not smart. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the Bible. I don't know Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Aramaic. Beloved, let me tell you something this. Are you able? I mean this as sincerely as I can. But people try to make serving God, reading the Bible, understand the Christian life, way more complicated than it really needs to be at times. Think about this. So you mean to tell me I refuse to believe, I refuse to believe that God took about 1,500 years at least 40 authors, three languages, written on three continents, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, so we could walk around in a fog. I refuse to believe that. 
I refuse to believe that we're supposed to walk around. Well, I'm not real sure what to do, and I don't know what God thinks about this, and I don't know how to do with my family, and I don't know what to do about church, and I don't know what to do about my finances. I refuse to believe that. Now, you may not know everything all the time, and you don't have to, but if you are ready, if you are willing, if you are able, God will give you direction. He will. He will. Now, here's the difference. Understand, okay, the difference between God's will and God's plan. We get this messed up a lot. God's will and God's plan. The will of God concerns our spiritual development, okay? So it's never connected with a set of rules, a geographic location, or a specific ministry. The plan of God is our spiritual deployment, what he wants to do with our lives. Meaning what? Can God use me? Yes. Well, how do I know? Number one, we're to live holy lives. That's God's will. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I don't have time to read all that. I'm short on time. But you can read it. We'll see that it's God's will that we live holy lives. Well, David, what should I do or not do? Ask God. I'm not trying to be stupid. He will tell you. He will tell you. Now, once again, you're going to have times where God may seem quiet. You're going to have times of maybe some confusion. But that should not be the Christian life all of the time. So live holy lives. Number two, we are to be witnesses as we understand that God is not willing that any should perish. We're to witness. We're to tell others. Easiest way, let me see without messing this up, is to what? Pass out a gospel track. It's so easy. It's real easy. You can do it two-handed. You can do it one-handed. You can do it with five fingers. You can do it with three. If you're really feeling brave, you can do it with two. You can do this action, this action. You can even go behind the back if you want. Just pass out a gospel track. I challenged the junior church kids. Maybe some of them told their parents. I said, I'm challenging you. And I never said, go out by yourself. I said, go in group, go with your parents. Go put a track on your neighbor's door. I challenged some of the kids, some homeschool kids. I said, maybe, I'm not saying they have more time than others, but I said, you know, maybe you have art class, you can draw a real nice picture, and then when you go to Kroger or to a grocery store, you can tell the clerk, I drew you a picture. Would you take this gospel track too? Would you try to do something different? I challenged our public school kids. I said, same thing, draw a picture, have a track. I said, obey in class. And then try to talk to your teacher about God. You're still allowed to do that, contrary to what the world says. It's their God-given, it's, pardon me, it's their right as a citizen. They can, they can talk about God. and They can. So what's, David, am I able? You're able, because what? God can enable you to live, hold a life. God can enable you to witness to others. We're to pray and give thanks. That's God's will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 19 says, Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Be thankful. I've told you this story many, many times. But the Wyrick household, my dad could not, could not stand people complaining. He could not stand that. Now, it turns out my dad was a picky eater, but I never knew that. Because my dad, didn't, he didn't tell me that. I didn't know you're supposed to like everything, so I do for the most part. And so there were times I would complain about the size of my cake. And you know the story. What did my dad do? Oh, that cake's too small. He pulled it and ate it in front of me. True story. 
Guess what I didn't do the next time, George? I didn't complain about the size of my cake. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. One time I hit it and I didn't like the meal my mother made. They're like, fine, you can starve to death. They loved me. We'll watch you starve to death. How's this food now, David? Oh, it looks pretty good, Dad. Okay, I guess you'll eat it. It wasn't a Wyrick restaurant. I don't want that in my meal, Mom. You're going to eat that, and I'll put that in front of you, whether you like it or not. Can I get a witness? I'm just here to tell you, beloved, be thankful. You know, it, it does grind me a little bit when I hear Christians complain about stuff. I understand I complain too. But let's be careful. Let's be careful we're not shaking our fists at God and telling him all the rotten stuff he's doing for my life. Because what do I deserve? I deserve hell. My dear friend that got cancer, he died. Weeks later, I talked to him. He said, David, not only did I deserve cancer, I deserve cancer and to go to hell for my sin. He said, the fact that God's going to spare me and give me heaven, he says, is nothing more than his grace. And weeks later, he did pass away. Now, I'm not saying that I want cancer. I'm not saying I want to die. I hope the Lord allow me. I've asked God a certain year. I've asked the Lord. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I haven't told my wife. But I asked the Lord if he would allow me to live this long. He might not do that, though. He might not do that. We're not to be the conformed to this world. Am I able to serve the Lord? Yes. Don't be conformed to the world. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. God's not asking you to do anything unreasonable. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's another one. Ready? We're to go to church. That's God's will. It's God's will. You don't believe me? Go to considerharvest.com, click on the medium page, and put in May 10, 2017. Pastor Holmes preached on this sermon, Why Church? He talked about why it's God's will. You realize the entire New Testament, for the most part, was either written to pastors, about pastors, about churches, or how the church started. What is it? It's important. How about this? Hebrews chapter 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Here's another one. God's will. It's God's will that we should pray. It's God's will that we should read the Bible. It's God's will. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Peter 3, 15, but sanctify that the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope <clears throat> that is in you with meekness and fear. Beloved, we can't keep his word. We can't know his word. We can't explain his word. If what? We don't know his word. Simply put, we can't do it unless we read. So in conclusion, here's the deal. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you ready? David, I'm struggling. Go back and find the reason, the joy of your salvation. Are you, are you willing? Change your perspective. It's not I have to, it's I get to. I get to. Who's the best example we can look at? We can look after Jesus. And where do I start? Just follow the book. Am I able? Just follow the book. 
Understand the difference between God's will and God's plan. When you start doing God's will, he'll tell you his plan. A lot of people are struggling. I'll ask them these questions. Are you reading your Bible? And what do they normally say? No. I'll ask them number two. Are you praying fervently? Well, I pray three times a day. I'm like, I didn't ask you if you prayed before dinner. I say, are you going to church? What do they normally tell me? Well, I've been struggling a little bit on that area. God would give you his plan. So here's the deal. If you're breathing right now, and I hope that all of you are breathing. If you're not breathing, this is a very awkward conversation. Raise your hand and we'll help you. If you're breathing, that means God has something he wants you to do. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you able? I'm here to tell you that God wants to use you today. 